I am standing under a huge cotton tree in the center of Freetown, Sierra Leone's capital. Freetown is an energetic place, always in motion. It seems to tumble down the side of a mountain which rises dramatically from West Africa's Atlantic coast. It is a hot and humid day and the military band is rehearsing for a ceremony tomorrow. The gleaming uniforms, polished instruments and deafening music are attracting the attention of plenty of curious onlookers. All around the cutting tree, bikes, buses and tuk-tuks, or as we call them in Sierra Leone Kekes, pass by in a never-ending flow. Traders in nearby shops jostle for business, selling water, beer, fabrics, fresh foods or SIM cards. The tallest buildings in Freetown cluster in this part of town. And meanwhile, above it all is the shady canopy of this cutting tree. I can pick up the dark outlines of bats and vultures draped in the high branches like celebrity bunting. Every country has an icon, and for Sierra Leone, it is this tree. Though its leaves are dusty and its trunk is stained by traffic fumes, the cotton tree looms larger in the imagination of the country than any building. The cotton tree has played a big part in the complex story of Sierra Leone. This is a country whose history, like many others in Africa, has swung from the darkness of slavery to the ecstasy of independence. It is a country known as the Athens of West Africa, but also for its brutal civil war. It is a country developing fast, but still alive with ancient traditions. I am Charlie Afna, a playwright, historian, and traditional storyteller, and this is Saloon Stories. In this series, I'll be telling stories about my home country through language, music, landscapes, food, and more. I'll be on the quest to understand what makes Sierra Leone special and to persuade you that to really understand modern Africa, you should start by coming here. In this episode, a giant cotton tree which has come to embody the story of the nation. Most people who arrive in Sierra Leone by air land at Lungi Airport. The airport is built on the other side of a huge deep bay to Freetown, our capital city. Passengers headed to Freetown had to catch a boat. The view of Freetown from the water is sensational. Freetown dominates the surrounding landscape. I always enjoy arriving at night when city lights sparkle in the hills like constellations. I'm deeper inland, monsoon storms lace the sky with veins of lightning. If you travel during the day, however, you can see the cotton tree which appears to grow as you get closer. It is one of Sierra Leone's most famous landmarks, 
situated only a hundred yards from the shore and surrounded by buildings. The cotton tree rises proudly above them, its foliage unmistakable at the geographical spiritual heart of the city. But to understand why the cotton tree is special, why its roots are embedded in the very foundations of the city, you have to understand the history of Sierra Leone. For a long time, the inhabitants of Sierra Leone lived in their own world. This changed with the arrival of Europeans in the late 15th century. At first, buying goods like ivory, timber and gold, their presence became more sinister with the discovery of the Americas. From the early 16th century, millions of Africans were violently transported as slaves across the Atlantic Ocean. 200 years later, a growing anti-slavery movement in Britain set in motion the founding of Freetown. The British had been enthusiastic participants in the transatlantic slave trade, trafficking slaves from a network of castles and depots along the West African coast. But as the horror of slavery became more widely recognized, public opinion in Britain shifted and the movement to outlaw it gained momentum. At the same time, an idea was hatched to create a colony in Africa to serve as a home for freed slaves and the so-called black poor. The black poor were Africans living in Britain who, though technically free, experienced extreme discrimination. The colony would serve as a beacon of hope, a radical place where things could be different and people of African descent could live free from discrimination. It was named the province of freedom, which later became Freetown. The first settlers from London faced great difficulties when they arrived in 1787. Disease ran riot, crops withered in the heat, and the community was ravaged by infighting. The settlement shrank as people died or drifted away. But a decade or so later, the second major settler group arrived from Nova Scotia. The Nova Scotians were enslaved Africans who fought for Britain during the American War of Independence in exchange for promises of land and freedom. When the war was lost, they were forced to escape to Northeast Canada, offered the opportunity by the British to return to Africa rather than remain in cold and windswept Nova Scotia, many chose to sail back across the Atlantic. Over the following decades, Freetown was joined by many waves of new arrivals. These included the Maroon people, who were deported to Sierra Leone after revolting against slavery in Jamaica, and the so-called recaptives. The recaptives were Africans liberated from illegal slave ships operating after the abolition of slavery. Collectively, these successive waves of settlers formed the Creole people, characterized by their diverse blend of linguistic, ethnic, and cultural influences from America, Caribbean, Europe, and elsewhere in Africa. Throughout this long and turbulent process, the Kotinsky grew a few inches every year, always turning out as a welcoming and reassuring symbol. Wave after wave of new arrivals in Sierra Leone watched it rise from the land after weeks or months at sea. They took paws under its branches. 
They said prayers and sang hymns of deliverance. Breathing its liberating oxygen, slowly but surely, the tree became an icon. People told stories about it, treated it with respect, fell under its spell. The country tree does give us a beautiful cultural landscape and it has been in existence for over 500 years. This is Olivette Linda Barnett. She works for the Sierra Leone Ministry of Tourism and Culture. I've been assigned to the National Museum. I'm the education and outreach officer in order to sensitize Sierra Leoneans to know about their history, their cultural heritage and know their identification. I asked Olivette about the significance of the cotton tree, which we can see now through our open office window. It was used as a sort of a meeting house for our indigenous kings before the slave trade. And then when the slave trade started, it was also used as an auction point. It was a place where they were auctioning the slaves. Most times I always try to say slavery started within our people. Like, victim of war can be a slave. Debtor, overdue, eventually you be a slave to that creditor. If it happened that an individual within the household is being caught as a witch, automatically the household will be a slave. It's a sort of a way to find labor force. So the country tree was an auction point and the country tree eventually be a settlement point. The country tree is more than just a historic landmark. It is where the new settlers first set foot on Sierra Leonean soil, enjoying their first taste of freedom. The first place that new arrivals to Freetown would pray and sing underneath the broad canopy of the leaves, dappled sunlight on their faces. In fact, many people believe that the tree is entwined in the deep spiritual consciousness of a nation, inextricably bound up with abolition of slavery. When you have occasion that happen within the territory of Freetown, it's something that makes the indigenous of Freetown happy. You will see the happiness in the country tree. If it is negative, the country tree also will showcase it out. Like in terms of the 11 year Abuto war in Sierra the leaves withered. It was difficult for us to see a new leaf from the country, especially when there was an event wherein the Alpha Jet killed a lot of Sierra Leonean within the territory of the country. I asked Joe Edia Lee, professor of history at the University of Sierra Leone, what he knows about the origins of the cotton tree. How did an individual tree become so significant in the imagination of a nation? Well, the cotton tree, not just in Freetown, but even in our rural communities, has always been associated with some mystical powers. Some people believe that the Nova Scotian, who came in 1792, they settled under that cotton tree and said a prayer. But what are the mystical powers Professor Ali is talking about? Oh, in the villages, the cotton tree, they say that's where people congregate to pray, and sometimes there are evil spirits. You know, it's, it's not just any tree. 
you know, it has some serious cultural uh, relevance to communities. I had all sorts of stories when I was growing up, passed down by my parents and guardians. There is a legend that the roots of the cotton tree stretch beneath the whole of Freetown, cradling it like a protective nest. A man once claimed that if you climb to the top, you could see the towers and spears of London. There was also used to be a red telephone box beneath the tree. People believed that if you picked up the phone, you could hear the BBC news on the other side. From London, this is the BBC Six O'Clock News. Good evening. Or Swiss Calypso music. Others say that the bats and vultures hanging in his branches are sacred and that if you harm them, you will die. To understand the significance of the cotton tree today, it is best to just go there and speak to the people you find in its shade. Today, I find a group of local school children. Ready? So what is the name of your school? The, the name, name of our school is Elevipareti School. And why are you here today at the National Museum? We are here to learn about tradition. We, we learned about the black magic people use olden days. So now we look at the majestically country tree. Who can tell us a little bit about the country tree? What do you know about the country tree that is standing right in front of us? The height of the cotton tree is 160, length 140 and age 600 years. They bury some of, some of the people down there. That is where slaves came and settled. Before they go, the kids ask to sing their school song. As I listen to the song twisting around the cotton trees strong and spreading along its branches, I realize that this is probably exactly what the first settlers of Freetown would have wanted. Join me next time as we travel back in time to 1961 and the nights of Sierra Leone's independence when jubilation swept across the country and the country's national anthem was played for the first time. This episode of Sierra Leone Stories was presented by me, Charlie Hafner. It was written and created by myself and Sam Williams and edited by Nadia Medi. The executive producers were Sam Williams and Max O'Brien, mixing by Naomi Clark. Salon Stories was produced by Novel for AfriCell. <laughs>